Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Breaking Down the Doors. I'm your host, Mike Organ, alongside Vanderbilt beat writer Adam Sparks. Vanderbilt's new quarterback and new coordinators made a good first impression in the season opener. The Commodores lost 17-12 at number 17 Texas A&M and now face defending national champion LSU in Saturday's home opener. Should Vanderbilt fans feel more optimistic about the 2020 season after a good showing against the Aggies, or was that first game just fool's gold? Well, Mike, uh, I mean, I tell you, the this is the most curious I've been in a while about a follow-up performance from Bandy. You know, usually in the early years when I, I covered the beat, and certainly I know when you covered the beat back in the 90s, early 2000s, you'd see an early performance, a good one, and you'd say, you know, hey, maybe maybe this 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 means something, and then it it wouldn't come to fruition. I feel a little different this time. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to go beat LSU or anything like that, but there's sometimes you have a near miss, a near upset, and you say that's the best it's going to be. That's an anomaly. Other times you see performances and say, I think, I think they can build on something here. I, I see some layers that can be added here. And I feel a little bit more like the latter. The fact that there's two new coordinators, I like what I saw out of that. I see some more branches they can go to within that. The fact that the quarterback, Ken Seals, looked really good as a freshman, uh, just being able to work the offense. I like that he could throw from different platforms in the passing game. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, I, I, I think, at this point. Uh, do you feel like I'm going a little bit too much out on a limb? No, and I think you make a good point about things that can be built on uh, – I was obviously very impressed by the quarterback. The defense showed me a lot, uh, which I expected early on, but then after the many losses uh, with COVID and uh, injuries and transfers and whatnot, uh, I had lost hope for the the defense. And it it played about as well as I thought it would before all the injuries and the losses. Um, I I had this uh, discussion last night with a former former Vanderbilt player and – I asked him, and I'll ask you, how much do you put on this on Texas A&M? Is, is Texas A&M not a top 10, top 15 team? Uh, I didn't see much out of their offense. I saw a lot of mistakes. But as I told my friend last night, that could have been caused by Vanderbilt. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah, there's always the two sides of that. There's the, is Vandy better or is Texas A&M worse than we thought they'd be? I think both of those are probably true. Um you know, I'll say from A&M's offense to Vandy's defense, I'll say that uh, Kellen Mond was was not comfortable. Now, it's not like Kellen Mond is a guy that, uh, you know, it, it was a disappointing performance for him, the A&M quarterback, but he's had a lot of good games. He's put up a ton of yards. He's preseason all-SEC on some lists. 
Um, he's a productive quarterback. He's not a flash in the pan at this point. And Vandy made him feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, that, what I liked about Vandy's defense, uh, a few things. Um, number one, the five fumbles they forced. They recovered two of them, or I recovered three of them. Uh, yeah. that, that speaks a lot when you get three takeaways in the first game because Vandy only had, only had 11 takeaways all of last year, and, and some of those fumbles they forced were mod. But what I liked about what Vandy did defensively was they brought consistent pressure. They controlled the line of scrimmage. Um, they worked better as a unit. You know, a, a lot of what uh, happened last year defensively was that one guy would make a flash play and say, hey, you know, that guy won a one-on-one, and you could pick out a handful of plays each game where a guy would get to the, get to the ball carrier, get to the quarterback. But there were, more, there were other breakdowns along the front and along the front seven. I didn't see the breakdowns very much in this one. I can count two, maybe three plays where the defense missed a bunch of tackles. It led to a pretty big play. But for the most part, the unit played well together. Um, it wasn't one guy. So, you know, up front, Dio Adengbo had a really good game, had about seven tackles, a few hurries, had a sack, a couple of TFLs. Andre Mintz played a spectacular game. He got really high grades, I know, from a pro football focus. Um, uh, he had a lot of hurries, got in the backfield a whole lot, was good on, on, the, on run defense. Davion Davis, who we talked to today at the press conference, actually graded out the highest of any Vanderbilt defender he played about 20 snaps at defensive tackle, but he was, he was just really sound, really, uh, really good at getting to the ball carrier. It was just, it wasn't highs and lows from the defense that we're used to seeing. I thought the unit played really well together. They got into the backfield. They got Mond off of his spot. So much of what has plagued Vanderbilt in the past is that quarterbacks have felt extremely comfortable in the pocket throwing the ball against Vanderbilt. Kellen Mond was rarely, uh, rarely comfortable in the pocket. And I think that goes to more physicality from Vandy, more experience from Vandy. This defensive line is almost completely intact. They had another, they had a couple of good pieces they, that they added. Rashawn Wilkins, a junior college transfer, uh, got a start in defensive tackle. It was just, it wasn't one or two guys. It was six, seven guys that played a really sound football game uh, just from the defensive line standpoint. What I liked, and this plays into what you're, you're talking about, what I liked from the defense was uh, getting into the third quarter, uh, maybe midway through, there would be a couple of good plays by uh, Mon and by Texas A&M's offense. They'd break a, a long pass, and by long, I'm, I mean 20 to 30 yards. There were no really big plays, it didn't seem like, for A&M. But they'd break a <clears> – <throat> they'd get a guy open and they'd break a big play 30, 35 yards. And that's when – when I saw that happen, I thought, here it goes. This is where Vanderbilt wilts and uh, uh, A&M settles in and gets comfortable. And that didn't happen. I, I thought Vanderbilt's defense uh, showed great resiliency in bouncing right back uh, seemingly after every – Big play, and again, there were only there were only a few big plays by AM, but that's a little bit unlike Vanderbilt in the past for me was to see them come back and uh, the defense regroup, regroup and then uh, get things back together after a big play like that. Yeah, it seemed like there was a there was a pretty good belief in that scheme. Ted Roof is the new defensive coordinator. I thought he had a good plan. Um, they they mixed up different fronts. 
Uh, they mixed up coverages pretty well. And then there just seemed to be a, a, a good unity, unity, so to speak, on that defense. I talked about the defensive line. I thought they got good linebacker play. Um, Austin Orgy, who is a guy that was kind of on the outs a little bit last year, played really well. They did that, by the way, without Dimitri Moore, who was their leading tackler and their linebacker. Derek Mason said today that he was back out on the practice field after a minor injury last week. So I'd say he's probably – sounds like he's, I guess, probable um, for the game against LSU. If they get him back, that's a, that's a, that's a really good bump for the, for the defensive side. But, yeah, it goes back to what I was saying about there wasn't really a lot of hiccups, a lot of complete failures on an assignment standpoint. Again, that goes back to experience, but I think it also goes to coaching that there wasn't a breakdown in the, in the front three or four. There wasn't a lot of breakdowns in the linebacking core. And, and, and I thought they were pretty good in the secondary. Deshaun Jerkins is sort of a rising star for this uh, defense. The safety um, started last year. He had eight ta- team-high eight tackles in this game, forced a fumble or two, recovered a fumble. It was just it was just just a good complete performance, I think, from Vandy, and that goes back to what you're saying about they didn't they didn't hang their head. I'm I'm curious to see the second game because last year LSU torched this defense. That was Joe Burrow and a different offense, but um, you know I want I'm curious to see the follow up. Is this defense the the top that can make a whole lot of things happen and get into the backfield and and be as stingy as they were the other day. So uh, uh, I, I like defensively what they did in the first game. I'm curious to see a second one. Well, speaking of the second one and uh, uh, the results coming off the first game for both teams, uh, uh, both losses for both teams, but I think Vanderbilt comes in with a great deal more confidence than it would have had uh, otherwise, in, well, obviously, uh, uh, even short of uh, winning the game. But now what does LSU come in uh, like? I mean, how devastating, how much of a setback was that for uh, LSU's confidence? Yeah, they get beat by upset by Mississippi State. Uh, Mike Leach's air raid offense put up six more than 600 passing yards. Uh, so yeah. I, I would imagine it's pretty intense for the secondary this week uh, at LSU in practice. Um, you know, I mean, it's a different offense. Vandy's not going to suddenly switch to the air raid to see if they can if they can do something with that. But um, you know, th- there's there's an interesting uh, interesting direction they could go here on offensively. Um, you know, Todd Fitch is the new uh, offensive coordinator. He got 105 rushing yards out of the run game. Got 150 passing yards out of uh, Ken Seals, his new quarterback, freshman quarterback. Both those numbers are okay. I mean, that's not, those are not really good numbers, but they were, they were effective in spots. And that they, they won the time of possession, 34 minutes to 26 minutes. Um, the freshmen ran the offense well. They, they had very, very few penalties. Um, they, they seemed almost like a tease in the first game. Again, back to my my stance of I'm curious to see the second one because what they teased was running the ball. There's some power there. There's uh there's a little more power up front on the offensive line that I think maybe they had. Um, they don't have the speed at running back that they did with Keyshawn Vaughn last year, but Jamari Wakefield runs the ball hard. JV and Marlowe, who is him and Wakefield were both out with injuries last year, but Marlowe has got a little quicker step. I don't, I wouldn't say he's fast, but he's quick. 
both of those guys got good good hard runs that could get them 10 to 15 yards. You didn't see breakaway runs from them, and I don't know that you will because neither one of them are really, really fast. Keon Brooks was the guy that was missing. He had an illness. He's still not back today. I'd say he's questionable for the LSU game. He may give them a little bit more uh, – a little bit more of another another level as far as a, a breakaway back. So, but the the run game was solid, and it showed some power between the tackles. I'm curious to see if they can add any more to that. I'm a little skeptical if they can get some big plays out of that, which t- tells you maybe the defense uh, is going to see that as less of a threat uh, moving forward. The, the passing game I'm, I'm more curious about because they didn't protect seals. They didn't say this is a freshman. We're going to hide him in the offense. He threw from the pocket. Um, he threw on the run. He he rolled to his right really well. Don't really remember him throwing much uh, as a boot to the to the left side. But they had him from different platforms throw the ball. You could tell that there were more layers to the passing game that they want to get to. And if if they can do that, then suddenly you've got a you know a passing game that can give you a little something. They're really good on third down throwing the ball. So. Again, curious. I, I see. I, I see a tease there that I want to see more from the offense, and that's more that you can say for Vandy, who oftentimes, certainly last year, went into the year and you said, "I don't really know if there's much here, and I don't know if there's going to be much beyond this." Um, Marlowe impressed me, by the way. I, I was very uh, impressed with uh, his ability to, to get yards when there didn't seem to be yards. Uh, ran hard for a young player and an inexperienced player. Uh, Last week, we talked about uh, the disadvantage that uh, Mason tried to put to, to give Vanderbilt against uh, A&M, to give A&M a disadvantage by not revealing his quarterback until late. And we kind of joked about it, and I think it definitely turned out to work in Mason's favor and Vanderbilt's favor. Uh, this week, he won't be able to do that. <clears throat> and I wonder what your opinion is on this. How much will this help LSU defensively, knowing what they're going up against, which A&M had no idea what they were going up against last week? How much is it going to uh, uh, help uh, a coaching staff, of obviously a, a you know top-level coaching staff, to have some film and to know what they're going up against, what type of quarterback they're going up against? Yeah, I mean, you know, they're going to LSU is going to try to bring pressure and they're going to try to test seals out. Um, he didn't get a whole lot of pressure um, this past week. He got sacked twice. I think both of those were late in the game. Um, I think A&M probably showed LSU something in the fourth quarter about uh, that there, there's going to be some opportunities to get to seals if, the, if they do some things with the pass rush. Uh, I mean, give Vandy's offensive line credit, give seals credit. He knew uh, where to shift the protection. Um but but they'll test him out. Um, you know, I don't, he sat back there and passed uh, from a fairly clean pocket a lot of the time. I thought he got the ball out of his hands really well. Yeah, a and I, I think they, they knew that Seals would probably start. There was maybe a little bit of mystery there, but not, not a whole lot. Um, you know, I mean, he was very calm, Seals was. He's very controlled. Um, his best work, like I said, was on third down. His completion percentage was really good on third down. He converted. He was three for three on the touchdown drive, including the touchdown pass to uh, Abdur Rahman. Um, hit him on third down a couple times there, including the the touchdown. Um, it's uh, it, it, it 
you know, he I'm sure he showed some deficiencies in the first game that LSU's going to try to exploit. LSU's uh, stud cornerback, um, Derek Stingley, is supposedly going to play this game. He was out for the opener. So that gives them a, a kind of another element there. Uh, but uh, the, the, there's layers to the offense. Seals looks like he can handle it. Um, he's going to have some ups and downs. I, 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 I see a little bit of his demeanor. I, I hate to compare him to Kyle Shermer this early, but there's a little bit of sense of that demeanor of, um, I'm going to have good games. I'm going to have bad games. I'm going to recover from the bad ones and learn from them. And I'm going to have a good game this next week. And there was that belief with Kyle Shermer that it's a marathon, not a sprint. I tend to see that demeanor with Ken Seals. You know, in the post-game press conference, he said, you know, I liked a couple things that I did. I had some nerves. I got over those really quickly. I was, I was happy about that. Um, but I made some mistakes on in the interceptions, and I've got to correct that, and I'll be fine next game. There was very much of that calm, uh, calm take from him that I think you usually used to see with Kyle Shermer, who, by the way, is on the staff right now as a volunteer assistant. I like that from Seals. I like that uh, confidence that he has. And, uh, you know, if he's, if he's not very good against LSU, then I think he'll be able to shake it off. If he's good against LSU, I think that just shows you that there's more to this offense uh, than I certainly thought. And at some point, and maybe it's already happened, I think Seals has a better chance of being an asset than a liability. I see more of a chance of this, you know, in four or five games becoming a pretty good passing offense and maybe an okay running offense. I see them going more towards the pass than the run, but I think there's more potential with what they have in the passing game than what they have with the running backs, at least one game in. Uh, speaking of seals and, and speaking of something that we really had a huge question mark going into the season was the offensive line uh, was, I mean, saying it was in shambles, I don't think is an overstatement. <clears throat> uh, had a defensive guard that had trapped our defensive tackle who had moved to uh, starting guard and uh, what only had uh, eight available linemen. Uh, I thought they did a good job of protecting seals and, and opening some holes for the run game. Uh, I thought it was certainly surprising. Yeah, they had a little bit of gamesmanship there, Derek Mason did, uh, and I tweeted it kind of in a wink-wink mode uh, last week that their new guys were on the left side of the line, on the depth chart. Their <laughs> more experienced guys were there on the right side, where you say, okay, so maybe they're going to start Danny Clark because he's a left-handed quarterback, his blind side's to the right side. A little bit of gamesmanship there, but then when, uh, when you saw the depth chart at the game, they flip-flop that because uh, Seals, the right-hander, was starting. I don't think A&M was fooled too much, but who knows? Maybe they were. Um, they, they, I thought they were good with sliding protection uh, in, in keeping the pocket fairly clean. Like I said before, they rolled out Seals, and he looked very comfortable doing that. He did that quite a bit in high school. Um, it bought him a little bit of time. I thought they were just real smart on what they did um, with the script and trying to keep him comfortable. The, the run game was there was more power on the offensive line, like I said, than I, than I thought we'd see. You know, for all the deficiencies or, or maybe the depleted ranks that they've had on the offensive line, they still end up on the left side with Tyler Steen, who's a, who's a pretty good 
offensive tackle. Uh, Dan Dawkins, who's played quite a bit of ball, been a part-time starter. And then Grant Miller, they really like at center. You can run to the left side and and feel good about what you have. That's similar to what they would have on the left side anyway. The right side was the bigger question, and and they were they were good enough. They have a they have a, a, a graduate transfer over there from Central Connecticut that the new offensive line coach is, is very familiar with. They've got Drew Birchmeyer, who is the, as you mentioned, moved from defensive tackle. Um, there's some pieces there that worked really well in the first game. Again, curious on the second one. I'm curious to see if LSU sees some some areas they can exploit in there. I also thought the the play calling was well-timed in the run game. So some of the better runs were draw plays on – you know, third and six, third and eight, those sort of things. You saw Jamari Wakefield run really well after contact. Again, he's he's not a guy that keep, like Keyshawn Vaughn's going to break a tackle and go 80 yards, but he'll break a tackle and get you 15. Uh, JVN Marlowe is a guy that will make a one-quick cut and get you 15. Keon Brooks is probably a hybrid between those two, but if the offensive line can open holes like they did the other day and, and you have some well-timed calls, then, uh, then, then you've got a chance to have somewhat of a run game. I, I still am a little skeptical. I could see it being limited more than the passing game moving ahead. But it, it, was, it was effective. The, the second, third, fourth games in a season are always where you see what the counter is. And hmm. A&M's counter in the second half was uh, run game's not going to beat us. Let's go after Ken Seals. And I think LSU will look at it too and say this run game is not going to beat us, at least not with big plays. Let's let's go after that freshman quarterback. So we'll we'll see how Vandy counters the counter. Well, speaking of LSU, do you have a prediction? Uh, going to be some fans in there or students, I guess. Right? Uh, uh, they're going to be allowed to attend some. St- yeah, much- it's it'll be students. It'll be the seniors, uh, the undergraduate senior students allowed in. Parents and family and all that not allowed in yet. It seemed to be hints that maybe some family members will be at the second home game. But at least so far, that that's not going to be the case in this first one. Derek Mason addressed that and said that we're they're they're kind of ramping things up. So right now it's going to be a limited number of students, and I think family members will be uh, the second week. Um, as far as a pick goes, um, I think this was about a three touchdown spread. It was, it was going to be a whole lot more than that until LSU lost their first one and Vandy nearly won their first one. But, um, you know, I think, I think Vandy is competitive in this one. Um, Joe Burrow's not on the other side. So, uh, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say LSU 31, uh, Vanderbilt 17. I think, I think Vandy hangs with them a little bit and, I think LSU's athletes are just too good, but I, th- I, th- I think Vandy is good enough for us to say that they're going to be competitive in some of these games. Yeah, I agree. And I think what I saw from the first game that will tell me something different that I would have picked had I not seen that game coming into this game against a defending national champion is that Vanderbilt will still be around in the third quarter. We'll probably still have a chance in the third quarter. I did have some concern about the red zone, and uh, I want to. I need to see more from them being able to score when the uh, uh, the field shrinks like that. Uh, so of course I'm going to go with the the wise play too. I, I would take LSU 28 to 14 in this one. Okay, so we, we both see uh, we both see this competitive. Uh, again, curious. Um, 
maybe my curiosity will end after this one, but but I tend to think there's something to actually watch with this team, starting with that quarterback, but going on certainly both sides of the ball. Okay, that does it for this edition of Breaking Down the Doors. We hope you'll subscribe to thetennessean.com if you haven't already. And remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your your podcasts. And drop us a review and rating while you're at it. For Adam Sparks, I'm Mike Oregon. Thanks for listening. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.